Hey everybody, and welcome to the Multiverse Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Holtzapfel, and alongside of me, you know him, you love him. He's really the, the mastermind behind us all. Some would say the uh, Grand Poobah, the ringleader, George Rogers. Ringmaster. Whatever. Ringleader and ringmaster, both. Whatever. I have a lot of rings. Mm-hmm. I've You're clinging and clanging all around. Clanging and banging on the deck of the Titanic for 40 days and 40 nights. Thanks, Hogan. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, here we are to do our Wayne's Review Review. Hope everybody enjoyed our uh, Batman Forever review that we did. Got a lot of traction. Seems like this. This is the last review we're doing. Ever. Yes. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Before the 666 Weeks of Horror. The unlucky 13 reviews, as we should Mm -hmm. say. Because it just kind of worked out perfectly like that. So, um, really looking forward to doing those horror movies, honestly. Because George and I are a big fan of horror. I mean, more so probably classic horror, 80s horror, stuff like that. I mean, I'm... I can't. I could probably name on one hand how many modern horror movies I like. I, I you might be a little more open to some, but yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it's really, it's really not many. So it's uh, <clears throat> we're, we're finalizing some of the uh, the titles, making sure that they're either in streaming or we can find them on a, on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, I think we're good for most of them, though. If yeah, not all, the, but one or two, the, maybe. Yeah, there's just yeah. The one that we're having a hard time yeah, finding. So, um, we're, we're not going not gonna to mention it because I want to get everybody's hopes up, and yeah, then yeah. we don't do it. You know, it's so. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll announce the thirteen titles once we know they're all there, and everybody could be like, "Ooh, what a good pick for everybody!" This or it could be a good more. Could be a good mystery. Yeah, you know, horror so, and mystery um, they go kind of hand in hand. So. However, before we start, uh, there's a this came out today. Um, again, uh, we said we weren't going to talk about Star Wars on this channel, but um, I definitely want to touch on some of the stuff that's coming out about the sequel trilogy. Everyth- pretty much proving everything that we've said for five years. We're right. Because mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley came out today, or the, it was posted today. I think the interview was a couple days ago. But So this is from CNN. I know they're bullshit, but it was just the article that I pulled up. There, It's, it's all over the internet. This just happened to be the one I clicked on. Um basically stating that there was no plan for the sequel trilogy when they started to 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 write and shoot episode seven jj told her that she was going to be a kenobi and then ryan johnson came in and said that she was nobody and then when jj came back for the force uh the the rise of skywalker he was like ah maybe you're a palpity so it's proving Everything we've said for the last five years about this franchise was they had no fucking plan. They're absolute mess behind the scenes. And I was right. We all were right. Anybody who stood up against this bullshit that Disney tried to push out of Star Wars, we were all right. Well, yeah, because it definitely didn't make... It really doesn't make sense for being a Palpatine, considering how in The Force Awakens, the lightsaber, quote, called to her, and she heard the, the Jedi... Like Connor, it's like, why would that happen to you if you're a Palpatine? Yeah, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, she did. She did. She did an interview with Josh Gad, mm-hmm. and he was like, "So if Palpatine's your grandfather, who's your grandmother?" And she was like, "I don't know. You tell me." Yeah, <laughs> I because I watched that that clip earlier. So it's um, I just think it's hilarious. I mean, if you like the sequels. I mean, more power to I mean, you. I, I mean, there's I, only like three women in the Star Wars universe. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, more power to you. I think they're bad movies. I do think The Force Awakens is the best of a bad bunch. I can. It's there. Are, there are parts of The Force Awakens I kind of like, but the other two movies I think are just hot ass, hot ass. Like 
hot ass on a summer day, 100 degrees after I've been at Six Flags all day ass. Like, that swampiness. And you're, and you're wearing dirty underwear. Yeah, because I've been farting all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, you know, but it just makes me happy. Um, and it's a real shame, too, because I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I would rather watch this franchise burn than it actually succeed now. Just out of spite, because you just you completely fucked up an entire trilogy of movies for political reasons or just ignorance or, or arrogance, whatever it was, and and they deserve to lose money on this. Mm-hmm. You had the golden goose, you had the ideas from George Lucas, and I mean I don't think there should have ever been a seven, eight, nine. Anyway, to me that the story stop the main story stops at six. You can have some little offshoots and stuff like that. That's that is what it is. But the main story stops at six for me. I agree. I'm, I mean, I I agree with you. Yeah, and that that happened. On that. And I, I, and I told you I, I I told you after I saw the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to see any more of these. Mm-hmm. I mean, you called it. it, it you it, called it. You called it, like five. Like when did they buy? 2012. Yeah. You called it like almost immediately. I remember us talking about mm-hmm. it. I was a little more receptive to it because at the time Disney had had a good run of films, and. I just told you I, to quote Star Wars, I had a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I wanted more like standalone films, like a Solo, mm-hmm. which I actually enjoyed. My and main, a Rogue One. I didn't. My, I never wanted a sequel trilogy. The main reason why I had my reservations about the sequel trilogy was because it, as soon as they said that George Lucas wasn't going to have any involvement, I was like, I'm I'm really wary of this, and I was right to be wary. I mean, there are people who like it. There are people who defend it, and they'll say, Oh well, you know, I just like everything Star Wars. It's like mm-hmm. well. That's fine, but if your argument is that you just love everything Star Wars, it's like that's not really much of an argument for a debate. No. Because if, if you're trying to debate to me um, the sequel trilogy <clears throat> being quality films and mm-hmm. being good, and I'm on the inverse, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you the reason why I don't, don't give me as your reason. Be like, oh, well, I just like everything Star Wars. Well, that mm-hmm. doesn't really... In a debate, that's not going to get you a winning argument. I'm not like that with any movie franchise. Even with James Bond, if you ever listen to our other channel, you clearly know that there's like three to four movies I think are absolute garbage in that franchise. And I'm not going to shy away from telling you if I think it's shit or not. And I, I, I think these the movies are shit. And I don't want to... I don't want to call anybody a fake fan because it's I, I don't I don't like yeah. that I don't like that term anyway because if you're a fan you're a fan yeah you know it, it, there's no need to for name calling this or the other but mm-hmm. I I feel that as a fan you should be able to point out the faults in a franchise along with the good if you just think it's all good and you fail to see the negative then I mean I th- then you're a fan but you're a biased fan. And mm-hmm. you don't, and you know there's negative, and you don't want to see the negative. Or a blinded fan. Blinded fan. That might be more. Uh, but I know the term. It, it only makes me mad because it's like I had so many conversations with people about Star Wars, and they're like, "Well, how can you not like it?" Like, well, where do I start? The the lightsaber battles are fucking garbage mm-hmm. in the sequels. Uh, nothing makes sense with the story. You, I mean, the, this weak ass payout in Rise of Skywalker that she was a Palpatine because they allowed Ryan Johnson to film a movie based off his first fucking draft. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? That's why it made less than half of what The Force Awakens made. Because people realized it was shit. I'll give The Force Awakens credit where credit's due. The trailer sucked everybody in. We all bought into the hype. Even me, who was very hesitant about them making a sequel trilogy. Again, like I said, Rogue One, Solo, I love them. I, that's exactly what I want from Star Wars. Just give me some offshoots. Um, I mean, I'm not happy that they recast Solo, but I thought it was an entertaining film. It was mm-hmm. fun. It was entertaining. 
it, I wasn't expecting Taxi Driver or Raging Bull, you know. But The Force Awakens, everybody bought into the fucking hype. Even I walked out of the theater the first night. Remember, I texted you and said, I can't believe J.J. Abrams made a great movie. But my tune quickly changed quickly after that when I realized this is boring. It's unoriginal. Now, is, is, is it an awful film? No. It's not. It's, it's well made. It's got pretty good writing to it. Cause I, and I get the, all the Lawrence casting. Um, but the story's. We saw it. I saw it 30, year, I saw it 30 years ago when I saw A New Hope for the first time. Yeah. The, now, I don't want to keep harping on this, mm-hmm. but I'm, it, it just keeps coming back to it. Mm-hmm. The sequel trilogy. And, hold on, I'm stuttering over my words on this. Mm-hmm. People talk about the toxic fandom. Mm hmm. That we got from that we got from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There was no toxic fandom until the sequel trilogy came out, because you had people saying, "Well, if you don't like this, and you're not a real Star Wars fan, yeah. how how is it that Star Wars is the only franchise where if you don't like a movie of that franchise, you're not a real fan? Because how many people love the Dark Knight movies but hate Batman and Robin, and they'll say, "Oh, well, you're not a, and you're not a real uh, what's it called? Well, then I." The, the, the DC fans are like, oh, well, then you're not a real Batman fan if you don't like Batman or Robin. Mm-hmm. It's like, so this is the only, like, Star Wars is the only franchise that has that just venomous, toxic fandom. Mm-hmm. No other fandom that I know of well, or that I'm part of has that much, has that much venom. Perfect example, the James Bond fandom. Yeah. Yeah, we all have varying differences or who we think is the best mm-hmm. Bond and who we, what we think is the best movie, worse of like that. But overall, we're all fans of the franchise and we for the most part all accept each other's opinions on the franchise you love Roger Moore I love Timothy I mean we love all six actors but he's your favorite my favorite is Timothy Dalton like two completely different opposite ends of the spectrum of how they played Bond but we we love the franchise as a whole I mean there are fans out there in the Star Wars community that only like the original three movies which is fine because they are the three best of the series um but I feel like the people who hated the prequels have slowly come around over the years to be like, they're not that bad. Yes, does the Phantom Menace have problems with it? Yeah, it's not perfect. Is The Force Awakens, I'm sorry, the Attack of the Clones the worst of the original six? By far, I think it is. There's a lot of problems with that movie. Vengeance Sith is great. And then, of course, you have the original trilogy that's phenomenal. But there was just so much wrong with this movie. And it was, it came down to the fact that they did not have one person tell a cohesive story over the course of things. Which is disappointing since Kathleen Kennedy is in charge of Lucasfilm. She would know. She she, she <laughs> should know. But then at the same time, it comes... She should know because she's worked with some of the biggest name directors in Hollywood of all time, primarily Spielberg and Lucas. Mm-hmm. She was in that inner circle with those guys. But what it showed was the fact that what Spielberg said about her was absolutely correct. She was nothing more than a secretary. That's what she was. Mm-hmm. Because every creative idea that she came up with was garbage. Did you hear about? Did you hear about what she um, suggested for um, Razor Lost Ark? No, tell me. Basically, saying instead of getting the girl, Indy should just leave with a dog. There was no dog in that movie. Yeah, I guess. Where would the dog come from? Good question. Why would Indy bring a dog with him on a on a uh, adventure? That's. Where a dog wouldn't be able to assist you would essentially just be in the way. Yeah, I know. I'm not trying to slight a dog. You know me. Yeah. I, I love dogs. I love, I love animals. Dog. I love my dog. Um, but, I mean, if you're going on a, a quest to to get the Ark of the Covenant, are you bringing Indy with you? Mm-hmm. Or it was for... 
The Last Crusade. It doesn't matter which one it was, but she had made a suggestion like instead of getting in the girl, why doesn't he just get the dog? And like he leaves with the dog. It's just like you're an idiot. And apparently that's how Lucas and Spielberg absolutely treated her was that she was fucking dumb as shit. And nothing proves it more than exactly what she's there happened to Star They Wars. were probably just um, pitching ideas around. Yeah, I think they were just kind of tolerating her because of Frank Marshall. Probably. I am Frank Marshall. That's, a guy that's not how he sounds. I know, and you know that's not how he sounds. <laughs> I know. But for I mean, she had her. I mean, I, I, I don't know why she, yeah, didn't have anything planned. I mean, Lucas gave well, she them. Did. The, Lucas she gave told, the, Lucas gave them a treatment yeah. for seven. She told Abrams to give them because he didn't want to direct eight and nine because apparently her and JJ had did not get along. Which I mean, whatever, fuck them both, yeah. but. At the same time, she asked him to write a treatment for all three movies. Why didn't you just go with that treatment? At at the very minimum, it would have been this a complete story. Yeah. Regardless of whose story it was. Ryan Johnson. I mean, the guy's a clown, but I mean, and he's pretentious as shit and he thinks he he thinks he's better, the greatest thing in the world, but at minimum you would have had an entire story done by Ryan Johnson. Why did you try to, to do this whole... You know what it was? I felt like they were trying to recreate the original trilogy. We had Lucas directed the first one. Kirshner came in and directed the second one. But that's because Lucas was too busy dealing with the with the financial side of things with him, between him and Fox. Yeah. And then you had um, Christopher McQuarrie come in to do the third one. But there's also, they've also said that Lucas directed a lot of Return of the Jedi. A lot of it was actually redirect was directed by George Lucas, so that's what they feel like they were trying to do. But and of course, all of the leaks that came out what was it the beginning of the year? They, you couldn't stop the leaks. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not even talking about the, the yeah. fucking plot line that that a hundred percent leaked six months before the movie came out. I'm talking about the the uh, 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 what's his name? Um, who did Jurassic World? Um, Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. His whole his storyboards. And his script leaked. And it was good. It was real fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you not... Yes, it doubled down on some of the stuff in The Last Jedi, but it sounded really good. I would have been like, yes, this is a war. This is Star Wars. He he got it. He really did. He did. He did. Yeah, because he, he also knew how to reboot a franchise yeah, he, he, with Jurassic took, World. Yeah, because Which isn't phenomenal, but it's very good. It's, and it was the way to introduce... Bring things back to where it started with Jurassic Park. But also take it to the next level. That's what Jurassic World was supposed to be, and that's what Star Wars should have been mm-hmm. with, with The Force Awakens. And I guess in a way it was, but I just don't think it was very well executed. You're 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 100 right. You're 100 right. And we've been and we've talked about this on end for years. God knows how long. Yeah. Actually, The Force Awakens is how I discovered world class bullshitters. Mm-hmm. It's how I discovered Midnight's Edge, and it's how you and me actually started about talking, doing podcasts, and or a YouTube channel. Yeah. Because that when I first discovered those two channels, well, they're both they're technically podcasts, but they just mm-hmm. do them through YouTube. Made me want to start a YouTube channel, <laughs> which uh, which um, uh, inconspicuously leads us to our uh, announcement. I'm going to make. It's very early in the stages. But I want to let everybody know that George and I, um, we've talked about it for a few weeks, and we kind of slowed a little bit, i say, over the last week, but we talked about it a little bit today. We are going to come up with a one singular brand YouTube channel for 
Now we're still gonna do the podcast. Yeah, that's not stopping. Yeah. Um, however, they'll be uploaded to the channel. We'll have its own playlist where you can find the same thing with Station 007. Mm-hmm. That'll still be up there. They will still be uploaded on Sundays. Not that's not changing. But we're wanted to start a YouTube channel where you could listen to this podcast, but also other bullshit that we want to do. Yeah. Whether it's uh, other movie, like you know, a big movie review where we we like Wonder Woman eighty four. Unfortunately, falls right in the middle of our horror movie six weeks. So we'll probably just do that. Or, or we'll YouTube. do separate ones and put them up on the, in the YouTube page. You know yeah, what I mean? Who knows? Like, yeah. But, but at least we can record a movie that we're both highly waiting to see for almost a year now. Well, since they probably announced it, really. So we're pondering some names. We're still kind of working with certain formats, what we want to do. I definitely want to do some, like, comic book reviews on there and stuff like that. Because I'm back into comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. We could do video game reviews. Like, fuck, you could stream yourself playing goddamn Tony Hawk. Yeah. You know what I mean? People will watch that shit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like a one singular, like a pop culture YouTube channel to where, you, like I said, you'll be able to listen to both of these ch- podcasts that we do. They're never going to probably stop. do some live reviews of uh, wrestling pay-per-views. That too. I would, lo- I would love to branch into wrestling because I love talking about wrestling. We talk wrestling so fucking much. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd be very, especially when you have shit like AEW All Out that was absolutely garbage <laughs> I want to eviscerate that's so bad but I don't want to talk about it on here yeah <laughs> it was yeah. bad let's just say that it was bad the AW stands will tell you it was great it was yeah. not good no it, it was not, not good, good. It, was, it, was, it was it was a botch fest yeah. it shows that there is just no, that they don't have anybody behind the scenes with any real talent producing these matches yeah that's exactly it's, what it is yeah. as bad as WWE is the worst of WWE is still better than I guess the best of AEW. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I guess. I don't know. I mean, the first few months of AEW were pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to say the worst of WWE is better than the best of AEW since then. Yeah, it doesn't work. Even the stuff like I but can't stand the, what Jericho's doing now. But, but it's the it's the fact that when they started AEW, yeah, they were preaching and they were talking about how we're the anti WWE. We're going to bring the sport back into the sports, which they totally were for those. Which first, they like, six, did seven for months. like the first. Yeah, we'll say six months. Yeah, we'll just say... Then it immediately turned into outlaw mud show bullshit, Mm -hmm. as Jim Cornette says. And, like, trying to be WWE, but also not be WWE at the same time, like... And taking the pot shots at WWE, it's like, you guys are still, like, D-League. Yeah. You just have a TV deal. (laughs) It's it's like a... It's it's like that old saying, you know, if you hit the king, you better kill the king. Like... Yeah. Don't, I don't think Vince is abs- is scared at they're all. They're not. Yeah. They may have been at first because they were trying to convince people to stay. Mm-hmm. But it's like at this point now they're like, well, yeah, go. What's the point? Go yeah, ahead, go. fucking go to you that wanna shit. You want to go? Show. Yeah, go. Yeah, have fun. You'll be back. Have fun getting injured in in every match with a botch, bad stories. Mm-hmm. What? Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. You know what? Fuck them. If whoever wants to leave, fucking go. Yeah, go. I don't even care. I don't want. I don't. I don't want to hear anybody ever say that when someone leaves WWE or they're being mistreated in WWE, that they're going to be used properly in AEW because AEW isn't using anybody properly, including their own fucking stars. Yeah. Aren't being used right. I don't want to hear this shit. It's like, oh well, the TNT title is supposed. You know, it's a TV title. It, it's supposed to change hands. You're not supposed to know. It's the secondary title. Mm-hmm. Even when WWE had the television title, they didn't treat it like the secondary title. That's what they use the US title for. Yeah. Like they're trying to treat the uh, they're trying to bolster up the TNT title like it's the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. I mean, that's okay. Open challenges does not build your fight. D- doesn't 
give your title yeah. any prestige. See, the thing is, when when Cody booked himself to win a fucking title on his own promotion, which is fine. I like Cody. I think he's good on the mic. I think he's good in the ring. I don't think he's as good as his brother. I it mean, leaves a bit, but I mean, D- Dustin when you, is when you own the company yeah. and you book yourself to win the title, it puts a bad taste in the mouth. It turns you, but, but not even that. Before he started this open challenge bullshit, because they're all, they're trying to play catch up with WWE. Yep, he should have had a lengthy run and be like, you know what? I've beat everybody on the roster. Fuck it, let's do open challenges now, and then br- bring random people out. Mm-hmm. That's how he should have done it. You know, because at least he could have he could have legitimized his title reign. Yeah, not book himself to win it and then be like, ha ha, I'm t-. look, look, everybody, I started the promotion to win a fucking title. Well, look, I got these. Titles. I'm going to hold open challenges with people just so they and get, then just to drop just, the title to an ex WWE guy, just so they get. Uh, he's or he was having matches with people just to give them like TV exposure. It's like, yeah, but we know you're not losing that belt. Yeah. To fucking, he didn't even lose it to, to Brody Lee to the first time. Fucking Joey Janela and. <sighs> He's terrible. God knows who else. He might be the worst wrestler on their roster. I don't know. He is awful. Everybody in the Dark Order is fucking awful. With the exception of Brody Lee. They just have a bunch of fucking jobbers wearing masks. Yeah. That lose every match they have. Brody Lee's the only person that wins matches. Uh, and, he didn't even and, win his first match in the hey, company. No. He lost it to yeah. Cody. But, uh, but even if with the Dark Order, and I know we're veering off on the topic here, yeah. but we got on the wrestling, so this is where we're at right now. But they're trying to build the Dark Order up like it's this threatening organization like the Corporation, like the NWO, like the Ministry of Darkness. They wish. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like with the thousand fucking members that they're throwing into this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you're supposed to build this up as a threat, but the Dark Order has lost every fucking match that that they've been put into. Mm -hmm. Like, they maybe have won here or there a couple times. That's usually when Brody Lee's involved with it. And Brody Lee wins the title, and I'm, Brody Lee squashes Cody, wins the TNT title. I'm now supposed to think the Dark Order's a threat. They just lost at the fucking pay per view on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why am I supposed to think that this that this faction is is a bunch of um, uh, like main event players, like they're a threatening team? They're not. Right, the sensor was more threatening. They won matches. They won. If you look, a ton of matches. If you look from their inception, like right up to like, I think they they started in what early two thousand, something like that. Something yeah. like that, and they went all the way through up until like WrestleMania. Uh, what was it? Seventeen in two thousand one. They were on a fucking roll. They were on a roll. They were winning matches. They were winning pay per view matches. They were winning yeah. titles. They were ta- uh, the Good Father and Bull Buchanan were tag team champions mm-hmm. and held the belts and for a Ivory while. Held the Ivory title. held the women's title. Like, yeah. guys, come on! Yeah, what the fuck. It's, but, just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll dub into more of that on the. Uh, but we lost YouTube on channel. The, on the YouTube channel. The goal is to have it up, like I said, before uh, before Wonder Woman eighty four comes out, yeah. so we can lead into Wonder Woman uh, uh, some sort of review for that. So, um, but we digress. We went on a tangent, but. Um, Completely digress. I think it's time to start the uh, review. I think it's time to get right into it. Wayne's World, everybody. Released February 14th in 1992. With a a budget of $20 million. A box office intake of $183.1 million. Directed by Penelope Shearis. Spheris. Spheris? Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
Sorry. Yes, it is. There's a P there. My mistake. Mm-hmm. Produced by Lauren Michaels. Screenplay by Mike Myers and Bonnie and Terry Turner. Music by Peter J. Robinson. Starring Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Tia Carrera, Rob Lowe, Brian Doyle Murray, and Lara Flynn Boyle. Didn't see us in theaters. I, I didn't either. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I saw the movie before I saw the Wayne's World sketches. I probably did, too. Because I didn't catch the Wayne's World sketches until they were... Like reruns. Re- until, yeah, until mm-hmm. they were doing reruns on Comedy Central yeah. in, the, in the afternoons. Yeah. That was when I first got first had uh, the exposure mm-hmm. to Wayne and Garth. Um, I will tell you that this is my all-time favorite comedy. I think this is... It's just my favorite. It's the best one. Like, I still chuckle at this movie. I still laugh at this movie. It's just... How do you not? Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's this, and ironically, the movie we're going to record for uh, Station 007, Austin Powers 1, are my two favorite comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. And just I, re- I laugh dumbassedly at both of them. <laughs> dumbassedly. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, George, want to get started? In Aurora, Illinois, rock music fans Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar... Al Gore. Al Gore. Al Gore. Is his name yeah. his name actually Ballsack? <laughs> <laughs> Garth Al Gore hosts a public access television show, Wayne's World, from Wayne's parents' basement. A broadcast of Wayne's World catches the attention of television producer Benjamin Oliver. Benjamin. While out cruising with friends in Garth's car, the Mirthmobile, Wayne stops to admire a 1964 Fender Stratocaster in a shop window. They later go to a nightclub where they avoid Wayne's troubled ex-girlfriend Stacy, while Wayne falls for Cassandra Wong, vocalist and bassist of the band Crucial Taunt, and he impresses her with his Cantonese. So the opening of this movie is probably more probably more popular than the whole movie itself. Mm-hmm. Is and it's the the cruise in the car in the car to Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, there isn't a single person. In our age bracket, in our generation, who, what are you doing over there? I'm listening to you, but I was looking at oh. something because uh, I have I also have the Wikipedia page on my laptop, okay. and I was looking up uh, when CBS bought out Fender. Oh, because I actually okay. thought it was at. Oh I yeah, because the, the, the I thought it was before '64. It's at, it's '65. Oh yeah, when him and when him and Cassandra yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, before yeah. pre CBS buyout. Yeah. yeah, which is true because the CBS mm-hmm. Fenders were abs- were not very good guitars. So. Yeah, the. As I was Some saying, of the ones in the 70s weren't too bad, but... As I was saying, <coughs> there isn't a single person from our generation... Not even our generation, also the Gen like, X... Like my parents. Also the Gen X. My dad loves this movie, too. Yeah. Well, mention there's not a single one of us who doesn't drive in the car, and when Bohemian Rhapsody comes on, even if you're in a car, even if you're just sitting around the house, and it comes on Pandora or Spotify, whatever you're listening to... When this song comes on, as soon as it hits into the to the hard rock part of it, there isn't a single person who isn't uh, headbanging during this part. It's 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 so iconic, and it brought Bohemian Rhapsody to a whole new generation of fans. To you know, a lot of people who listen to it who were born in the '70s and lived through that musical era, I mean, and I envy them. I do too. On a regular basis, because but I also I'm also what happy a time we to be alive. Could yeah. you imagine how even like more fed up with bullshit today we would be if we were like my pa- let's say my dad's age, who's fifty seven. Like, your dad likes Spandau Ballet, and I I'm still blown away by that. You like the movie Xanadu? I like the song Xanadu. I do too. The movie's not good. It's a good I song. like both songs called Xanadu. 
Well, it's the same song. It's Rushed just done it. by oh, Rushed It version. Mm-hmm. It's the same song. It's a different song. Different song. Hmm. I'm almost positive Rushed It version was the same. Really not. Yeah, but but ELO did the. I mean, who doesn't yeah. like ELO? I'm 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 a, I'm a big believer. Yeah, Rushed It is song called Tango. But I just looked. I also just looked it up uh, here. So in yeah, nineteen terrible the case. In 1976, Bohemian Rhapsody, when it came out, peaked at number nine on the Hot 100 chart. When this movie came out, it peaked at number two. Mm-hmm. Like that's and that's no internet. There wasn't like, there's was no internet. There were no no one was buying singles online. This was just people going out to Sam Goody or Tower Records or the music or the music section of uh, Macy's Wanamaker's J.C. Penney and buying the cassette. Or the CD, depending if your family had money. It was, and it's, I mean, that's, honestly, that's probably the first time I actually heard the song. Because we, I mean, like, I listened to music in the car with my mom, but, you know, we didn't have music playing throughout the house, unless it was coming out of my room. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, this movie brought that, brought that song to a whole new crop of fans. And think of the people, our generation now, who have such a love of classic rock because of stuff like this. What do you... What now? It's something I'm reading about the movie Ugh. during the production. Well, I'll read it at the end. Oh it's God. so fucking stupid. Mike Myers is a goddamn prima donna. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> I believe he's a very hard person. Do you person. want me to read it right now? Please? Yeah, just do it right now while we're here. So, Spheres clashed with Myers during filming. An example was the Bohemian Rhapsody sing-along inside Garth's powder blue flame accented 1976 AMC Pacer. That was far more physically demanding than expected. She told Entertainment Weekly that Myers was emotionally needy and got more difficult as the shoot went along. You should have heard him bitching when I was trying to do the Bohemian Rhapsody scene. I can't move my neck like that. Why do we have to do this so many times? No one is going to laugh at that. She said she attempted She said she said attempted to assurge Myers by having her daughter provide him snacks. And on, Listen to this. This is what I was laughing at. And on one occasion, he stormed up, off set, upset that there was no margarine on his bagel. <laughs> Myers and uh, Spheris argued over the final cut of the film, causing Myers to prevent her from directing Wayne's World 2. Who did direct Wayne's World 2? Uh, probably wasn't anybody. Steven Sergic. Yeah, probably the same. It was probably no one to note. I mean, she was a perfect person to direct this movie. Yeah. Because she's the one who did the Decline of Western Civilization and the Decline of Western Civilization Part 3, mm-hmm. Part 2, mm-hmm. the Metal Years. Um, so. I wish we had a place like Stan Mikita's Donuts where we could just hang out. I do too. I'm not saying that because of Corona and COVID and all that, but like even before that, I mean, we didn't have like a spot where we'd go on like a Friday night and just hang out and get, you know, get donuts. Mm-hmm. You know, we know though, I'll tell you right now, that used to be, the, we used to do that when I was in middle school. We, oh, you go to the deli around the corner in Riverside, right? No, middle school, Delanco. We used to go to Vinny's. Ah, yeah. Vinny's, Vinny's and 7-Eleven were like the hangout spots in Delanco. They still are. Mm. People, kids just don't go outside anymore. I mean, like, we used to go the, the, up to the bowling alley. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. I mean, that was always a spot, but, you know, then we go to the skilled afterwards. Mm, skilled. Yeah. Uh, here's a, a couple more tidbits. The studio originally wanted to use Guns N' Roses for the headbanging scene. Yeah, they wanted to use Welcome but, to the Jungle. But um, Myers demanded rap, Bohemian Rhapsody, even threatening to quit production unless it was used. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Mercury, the singer of Queen, had died of bronchial pneumonia resulting from AIDS. Of course, we all know his tragic story. Yeah. A few months before the film's release, however, he was able to see the headbanging scene before his death, finding it hilarious and approved the song for the film's use. Yeah. I can see Freddie loving mm-hmm. that. 
um, back to the Stan Makita Donuts mm -hmm. part. I think Glenn is one of my favorite side characters in this absolutely. movie. Absolutely. If he's, if absolutely. He's, he may be my actual <clears throat> favorite side character of this yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Just as soon as he starts talking to the camera, he's like, I never done a crazy thing since that night. Why is it when one man kills another in battle, he's called a hero? When he kills it in, in, in the heat of passion, he's a murderer. Oh, my God. Love it. Love it. Ed O'Neill just... And, he, and this was a peak, uh, peak Mary with Children. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. 92, so what? That's probably... Season five, maybe season six of a uh, Married with yeah, Children. Yeah, So I mean, he was, I mean, he was still one of the most popular guys out there. Mm -hmm. And then you get uh, Stacy. Yeah. We get a with the gun rack. A gun rack. <laughs> what am I gonna do with a gun rack? I don't even <laughs> own a gun, let alone many to necessitate a gun rack. <laughs> I'm just glad Meatloaf didn't sing in his uh, in his little, uh, oh, little cameo. The shitty Beatles. How are they? They're shitty. They suck. Oh, it's not just a clever play on words. Hmm. Get some? No, 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 I'm just gonna I'm gonna put him in as we get to the parts of the movie. Okay. Benjamin meets Wayne and Garth and convinces them to convinces them to sell him the rights to the show for five thousand dollars. Technically, it's ten thousand dollars because they both get five thousand dollars each. Mm -hmm. Later, Wayne returns to the music store Excuse and purchases. And purchases the Stratocaster with the money. Benjamin attempts to steal Cassandra from Wayne by using his wealth and good looks by distracting Wayne and Garth with all-access tickets to an Alice Cooper concert in Milwaukee while offering to produce a music video for Crucial Taunt. At the concert, Wayne and Garth make the acquaintance of a bodyguard to music producer Frankie Sharp, head of Sharp Records. So, Rob Lowe. Mm -hmm. His career got saved because of this movie. Because mm -hmm. he was getting nowhere. Because that was right after he... That video came out. That sex tape of him and possibly some underage girls. I don't know if that was revealed or if that is still a hot rumor. I don't know to this day. I'm sure that... I'm I'm sure it's... Uh, you got the thing. I'll look up Rob Lowe. Mm -hmm. Look up Rob Lowe's sex tape. But don't put it in in Pornhub. I don't need anything coming up. 1988, Rob Lowe was oh, involved in a sex scandal over a videotape of him having sex with a 16-year-old girl he met at a nightclub. Well, there they we were go. videotaped the night before the Democratic National Convention in Atlanta, Georgia. As the <laughs> age of consent in Georgia was 14 at the time until 1995 when it was raised to 16, both were legal age to engage in sexual activity, although 18 was the legal age to be involved with such a recording. At the time, Lowe was campaigning for Michael Dukakis. <laughs> God, how many, how many bad choices can one man make in the 80s? Eventually, his <laughs> career rebounded. Lowe mocked his own behavior during a post-scandal appearance of, on, as host of Saturday Night Live. I mean, I guess you I mean, listen, uh, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to voice my opinion on, on that, but if it's legal, what do you, what can you say about it? Why was the age of consent 14 in Georgia? Some, that's how, that's how it was that's, back in the 70s. I mean, that's did, fucking did, weird. The drinking age used to be 18 in New Jersey. That's understandable, but like, but like fourteen for like that's the South. <laughs> yeah, the South. Yeah. But yeah, no, right. I mean all over the country. I mean that's the mm -hmm. whole thing about with uh, Pete Rose about um, him having sex with minors. But I, I, I guess the legal age. I mean, I, it's still just, still gross because he was yeah. like in his thirties. But mm -hmm. the legal age in Ohio was like fifteen. You know what I mean? It's so, funny how someone like Rob Lowe. I, I'm not defending you. I'm just yeah. saying if it's legal, I, I, it's. Well, what are you going to say yeah. about it? You know what I mean? I mean it's, it's funny. It's, it's weird. Don't get me it's, wrong. It's, it's weird. It's funny how Rob Lowe, like, like, like nobody mentions that anymore. 
But when Pete Rose did it in the 70s, when it was legal, people were still like, oh, he's a pedophile. It's like... There, it's there's like, also rumors that they were funneling, like, 12-year-olds to him, too. So I don't know how much I believe, because there's not a lot of proof, you know? Yeah. Um, how old was Rob Lowe in 78, in 88? How old is he now? Uh, I think Rob Lowe's like 52 or something like that now. He's 56. He 56. was born in 64. So he would have been 24 in 88? Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. So I just want to touch on something real quick. But that was, I'm, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was really common back in, in, back in like the 70s and 80s. I mean, it's weird for yeah. older guys to do it, but, you know, uh, uh, a cool thing for a high school girl to do would be to date a college student, you know? Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, it's even better. We've seen it. How many seen it, times you've seen it in movies and TV shows, you know? Well, I mean, you always see it where it's, uh, where it was like a girl who'd be a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, how cool. It's like, oh, my boyfriend's in college. It's like, that's, that's cool and all, I guess, from a, you know, if you're trying to impress mm-hmm. other people, but from a... Like an age standpoint, it's like that's well. Do I do I, at the same time? I could say maybe like they started like they dated. Like maybe he was a sophomore, mm-hmm. she was a freshman. They dated all through high school, and then obviously he's a year ahead of her, so he goes to college. So that's a little understandable because you're probably only like a year apart. Yeah, you know, it's it, and she'll be graduating the following year anyway. But I, I mean, like it'd be a little weird if like I was a senior and started dating a freshman. It's just yeah. like there's that's a three to four year age gap right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. I'm 18. I mean, yes, I'm still in high school. Yes. But you're but, 18. You're but, I mean, well, I, I was 17 at the beginning of the year, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, um, that's still weird because then I'm going to be graduating high school and I'm going to be dating a 15-year-old. Like, that's yeah. weird. That's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like I, I, said, I, I, said, I would imagine not too many relationships that started that way yeah. lasted once one of them went to college, whether... Yeah. Whether it was the girl or the guy who went to college, while the significant other was still in high school, I yeah. I can't see too many um, relationships standing through that yeah. because you know once that other person is in college, mm-hmm. you're around a whole different group of people. Yeah, yeah. You're around people who are now more mature, mm-hmm. people who you don't have to pick up at three o'clock. You know, at the high school. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> yeah. It's it, well, like I said, I guess yeah. a one year age difference, maybe even two at the most, mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be like the worst thing. But yeah. I think if you're if you're starting to get like. Mm-hmm. I'm 19 and she's 14. That's fucking weird. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Like 17 and 15, 17, 16, 18, 16, 18, 17, something like that. That's, I would say that's like in the normal range. You know I, what always, I, mean? I always think like a, a couple years, like, like maybe two years, I always think that's probably. Yeah. No. Because even when you're like, okay, so like I said, like I would, let's say I graduated high school at 18 and I started, I started the year at fucking 17 and my, let's say my girlfriend was 16. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I, I graduate 18, she's 17. You know, she's like a woman of your high school left, and she graduates. And so yeah. Then we'll both graduate, something like that. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's still a little weird, but it's only a one-year age gap. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? I do. Like, that's I know, not, I know that sounds weird. Like, like, Rob Lowe was 24 fucking a 16-year-old. That's a little <laughs> fucking weird. But at the same time, what do you, I mean, if it's, le- if it's fucking legal, I, I don't know what to say about it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, besides the fact that it's weird. Right, right. So, anyway, that got fucking weird. So, let's go back to the fucking yeah, review. That, yeah. So, we'll talk about the... Um, the rent party. Okay. Like the, that's such a 90s thing. Like, no one's doing that. No one's having rent parties now. 
At um, <laughs> well, when he first sees uh, Cassandra, no, the second, no, when when she invites him to the rap party, not when he's at the uh, at the gas works. Oh yes, 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 yes. When she invites him to the rent party, yeah, like that's such a that's such a nineties thing. Yeah, you know, you come to everyone who everyone who comes shows up five bucks. You know, you pay the rent for you. You got your place for another month. Mm-hmm. So, so did you know Gary Wright actually re-recorded Dreamweaver for the film? Did he really? Yeah. Oh, I'll be and well, Tia Carrere sang all her own vocals for the movie. Yeah, there's a I, whole bunch of songs that have been either released or, or not officially released mm-hmm. with her own vocals. But she's got a good voice. I believe. I believe. So, the, um, Frankie Sharp mm-hmm. in this movie, mm-hmm. he's played by Frank DeLeo. Okay. Do you know what he's famous for? Is he related to DeLeo Brothers? He's not related to DeLeo Brothers. Well, I don't think he's related to DeLeo Frank Brothers. Frank DeLeo? No, I don't know Fra- what he's going for. Frank DeLeo was Michael Jackson's manager for five years in the late 80s and the early 90s. Was it really? From like 88 to like 92. He was Michael Jackson's manager. But he was also big in the music industry. He was also like, t- uh, Tutty Cicero and Goodfellas too. Thanks. I don't care about Goodfellas. Good I'm <laughs> saying anybody out there, yeah. you'll, that's who you would know him as. Mm-hmm. But like he promoted albums. You know, wow, through Quiet Riot, yeah. Speedwagon, Ozzy, Louis Stefan. I mean, Andrews, also in Meat the... Loaf. Now we know why he was yeah. in the movie. Yeah, I mean, he was... <laughs> Sydney Lauper Culture Club. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he also promoted albums for... David the... Guest! Shush. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Guest was an Arsenal fan? Why are you looking that up? Why are Be- you looking Because him... that's the picture of him on his Wikipedia page. him in an Arsenal shirt. That's fucking dumb. I mean, he was involved in the music industry way back as early as like '67. Yeah. So, because he also he also promoted albums for the Hollies and Sly and Family Stone. So, I mean, he's had a, a a very storied musical career. So, I mean, him being in the movie only made sense, you know. Um. So, at the gas works, when Garth gets bullied by that guy, and then he comes back in with the weapon. Whatever the fuck that whatever was. Whatever the hell it was and hits the guy. It's like, that that, yeah. that ain't flying in 2020. Yeah, that lady. ain't flying in 2020. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, sir. No, sirree. I think also in that stretch there, we had the game on scene. Yeah. That pretty basically... Game on. That was like... That, that was childhood in the 90s. Yeah. You know, we could just play in the street. You said, I don't remember they playing a trust, ton of sports they, in the street. They could street. trust us playing in the street. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because we knew we had the sense to get out of the way when a car was coming. Mm-hmm. How often do we quote? Oh, I said this to you. We were watching. No, 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 no. That just the Alice Cooper scene. Oh my god, all the time, all the time. Especially when we went and saw Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Hey, should I make a sign that says, Hey, Alice, is this okay?'" I'm. <laughs> hey, Alice, is cool. Alice is cool. Yeah, I'm gonna do that next time we see him. I hope you do. I hope you fucking do. Tap him. I hope you do. Um, oh, God, I had something. Uh-huh. Stacy Crusher biking at the fucking uh, mm-hmm. in the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. How many times? I When I was riding my bike in the 90s, mm-hmm. I crashed my bike on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think my knees are... I think that's why I, my knees hurt so much because I was constantly falling down. Mm-hmm. Or just on them all the time. <sighs> what? Hope you didn't say something you weren't supposed to say there. Whatever, try to cancel me. <laughs> They'll fail. Can't cancel somebody who wants to be canceled. Yeah. While filming the revamp Wayne's World under Benjamin's oversight, Wayne and Garth find it difficult to adjust to the professional studio environment with fear change. 
Their contract obliges them to give a promotional interview to the sponsor Noah Vanderhoff, who owns a franchise of amusement arcades. After Wayne ridicules Vanderhoff on the show, he is fired to the point of his fired to the point of his friendship with Garth ending. Jealousy of the attention Benjamin is given Cassandra, Wayne attempts to prevent her from participating in the Crucial Taunt music video shoot, but she breaks up with him for his distrust. For his distrust. So, everything kind of fell apart in one shot in the movie. But, I mean, it's... It, it followed a... You know, it, it followed a narrative mm-hmm. where it's again everything in one shot. Plus, we got that great line that is said at least once a fucking day by any group of us F you're a gimp mm-hmm. I mean how many times is Kevin sending that in a text message yeah. or in the uh, messenger group that yeah. we're all in I um how many I said this to you when we were, we were watching I said this has to be the most quoted movie by us it's gotta be yeah. I mean whether it's just anything think of just anything in this mm-hmm. movie we've said this at least once a day mm-hmm. F yeah. you're a gimp you know squeeze me think about it yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, oh no! Oh, 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 when did you get the CD player? When we get the money? Yeah, like we quote that randomly, or even like uh, wherever we are, you know, we answer the phone. It's like, oh, who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? Yeah, you know, whenever anybody <laughs> mentions the name Anthony, yes, yeah. it's, it's immediately where we go. I mean, it's right up there with movies that we quote on a regular basis, like Back to the Future and Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Like, we are constantly between between those three movies. All we do is speak in fucking movie references mm-hmm. but that's you know that's why we do this that's why we do the the podcast mm-hmm. when you're such a fan of movies that's just how it goes uh, uh, also it gave us the it gave our generation the uh, a sphincter says what mm-hmm. you know how many a times sphincter you, says you, what how many times have you used that over the years mm-hmm. how many times are you still using it to this day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh huh you're busy quoting Wayne's World 2 there with the uh, handsome Dan. Mr. Scream. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, gummy zing. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever for you guys to realize what I was quoting when I started doing that a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because it's so, it was so random, I didn't even, yeah. didn't even think about it. Hey, I'm handsome Dan. <laughs> Wayne and Garth wrecks him, Dan. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> good. <laughs> those movies had uh, Ed O'Neill and Ted McGinley. It's almost mm-hmm. like they knew. They didn't. They didn't. Fuck Ted McGinley. Yeah, whatever. They just bring him on shows when they wanted to get canceled. Mm-hmm. Wayne and Garth reconcile and hatch a plan to win Cassandra back by getting her a record deal in which their plan is to ensure Frankie Sharp hears Crucial Tom play. While Garth and their friends infiltrate a satellite station with the aid of Benjamin's assistant, Wayne goes to Cassandra's, Cassandra's video shoot but embarrasses himself in an attempt to expose Benjamin's ulterior motive. Cassandra initially tells him to go home, but upon realizing that Benjamin is up to no good, she changes her mind and leaves for Aurora with Wayne, who apologizes to her. I tell him my keys! I say that often. That's another one I just re- realized. That and the, uh, the pralines and dick, as Garth tells... Uh, Tells Russell, "To God, if, Benj- if Benjamin was an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick." Also, we get that little Bond reference there, where Wayne says he, uh, "I've always wanted to open a door and have and see people being trained a uh, secret agent, like in a James Bond movie." Mm-hmm. Which, funny thing, they would be, uh, they'd be like the 
the island that Spectre was training the agents on, where Red Grant was. Or uh, the agents that were being trained in Europe twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we talked about the uh, Alice Cooper scene, correct? We did. You want to get something to add to it? Yeah. Uh, anybody who uh, is a music fan out there, um, the backing band that he had was Jimmy DeGrasso. You may know him from uh, Megadeth fame. Also, Y&T. Summertime Girls. Thanks. Uh, also, um, what was the other band he was in? Uh, he was in Black Star Riders, which was essentially the side group of the guys from Thin Lizzy who, didn't, who wanted to make a new album. But didn't want to do it under the Thin Lizzy banner out of respect to the you know, yeah, uh, Phil, it? Phil, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was at Alice's drummer for quite some time. Derek Sherinian, who uh, everybody may know from Dream Theater, who was my favorite Dream Theater keyboardist, um, and the other two guys were just session people. So, but mm-hmm. De- Derek Sherinian and Jimmy DeGrasso were well known, well known uh, musicians. Well, yes, Pete, it is. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the uh, other, uh, the other uh, backing band for another movie that has uh, some famous actors in it, uh, Rockstar with Zach Wilde, Jason Bottom, and I think it's James Lomenzo in base. Does this guy know how to party or what? <laughs> <laughs> I also love the. That's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to finish so I could do that. I also love that that Laverne and Shirley scene. Yeah, Where they just yeah. That's who doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's just good. That's lost on most people um, mm-hmm. who have never seen Laverne Shirley. But it's just a, a random little thing that they stuck in. I wonder whose idea that was. Like, I feel like that's probably Dana Carvey's idea. It's like, hey, let's do this as we're going to probably. Mobile oh my gosh, the the Oscar clip is is a is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The what? The Oscar clip. Yes. Where he's like, I mind. I mind big time. Mm-hmm. And I never learned to read. I agree. Oh, yes. Her music video. Well, where is her band? <laughs> hey, Mark. Hey, Wayne. Oh, hey, guys. I didn't see you there. The Wayne's World crew hacks in. poking you? What? Was he poking you? <laughs> Could you be more insulting? The Wayne's World crew hacks into Sharp Satellite Television and broadcast the crucial Tom performance from Wayne's basement, where Sharp and Benjamin converge. Unfortunately, Sharp declines to offer Crucial Tom a record contract, resulting in Cassandra breaking up with Wayne permanently and departing with Benjamin for a tropical resort. Stacy revealing that she is pregnant with Wayne's child and finally an electrical fire destroying Wayne's house and killing Garth. I don't like that ending. Let's do the Scooby-Doo ending instead. Eh, yeah, I don't like that ending either. Dissatisfied with this ending, Wayne and Garth turn to the film's audience and halt proceedings. They restart the scene in which Benjamin is unmasked as Old Man Withers in a Scooby-Doo parody ending. Still unsatisfied with this ending, they restart again with a mega-happy ending in which Cassandra successfully signs a record contract and begins a relationship with Wayne alongside Garth beginning a relationship with a waitress while a reformed Benjamin learns that money and good looks don't necessarily bring happiness. End of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of uh, also uh, a little more backstage stuff. Mike Myers originally wanted Alice Cooper to perform I'm 18 and School's Out for the film. But Cooper's manager, Shep Gordon, convinced him to use Feed My Frank- <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein again instead. It was Myers' first meeting with Gordon 
and it made it such a strong, positive impression on him. They formed a friendship. Myers then directed a 2014 documentary about Gordon titled Supermensch, The Legend of Shep Gordon. Supermensch? Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, so was this the first movie that you saw Mike Myers in? Yes, it definitely was. I think aside from SNL, I think the first movie I saw him in was So I Married an Axe Murderer. Because it was on heavy rotation on Comedy Central. Ooh, you're, you're taking it up to the late 90s, huh? Probably mid-90s. But yeah, I'm taking it back. Yeah, this is definitely... I'll take, I'll, I'll take everything back to the 90s. You know what I mean? And this, this movie always makes me nostalgic for the 90s, too. Oh, yeah. For some reason. There's so... There's... It's probably because it looked like a simpler time. Yeah. I mean, it's... And as I, to, as I told you when we were watching, it was... Wayne and Garth and Bill and Ted that basically gave gave the our generation the vocabulary that it has mm-hmm. you know cool most excellent zang you know everyone talks that you know everyone our age talks that way because of these movies mm-hmm. and always have I mean mm-hmm. it's a lot better than saying words like lit and yeet on a regular basis and yeezy whatever that is mm-hmm. and fam fam I got your fan. Awful. Mm-hmm. Like the lingo that we had growing up mm-hmm. was fucking way better than what's going on now. Way better. Way better. Gnarly. Gnarly. <laughs> Wasn't bogus. Far from Excellent. it. Excellent. Far from it. <laughs> Wayne's Most... World. Wayne's World. Party time. So I guess that relationship that Garth had the waitress didn't last because he ended up being with Kim Basinger on the sequel. Well, I guess we'll find out when we review that movie. People, I'm sure everyone who's seen Wayne's World has seen Wayne's World too. I'm sure. Yeah. We're going to review it anyway. That's another one I record on a regular basis too. Yeah. Not as much as this one, but it's up there. Well, at the very least, just one line. I've crossed the T's and dot in the... Lowercase J's. I've said it on these podcasts. Several times. (laughs) So. Go back and find them. We said them. So what do you give this movie out of 10? 9.5. 9.5. I give. I don't. I, there's nothing wrong with this movie. I give it a ten. I mean, as I said to you, I don't want. I don't want to slam we, tens out all the time. Yeah. But then I go, what about what about this movie? Can I dock it for? Well, that's like we always say. It's or or as a not as we always say, but as I said when we're watching the movie, can you think of a bad scene in this movie? I can't. You know, we always do best scene, worst scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite scene? What what scene is the best uh, scene in the movie? Probably the Alice Cooper scene. Where they're backstage at Alice Cooper. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. I like the beginning. The Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, that, that like them on the way to, to you know, go to Stan Makita's and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, just in the, in the gas works. It's just... I mean, the whole movie is good. It's hard yeah, to find a band. It really is. I don't even know why. I think I'm just giving it a 9.5 just so I don't keep doling out 10s. Well, we gave, <laughs> you gave a 6 last week. I gave a 6.5. Six uh, yeah, because Batman Forever wasn't getting a 10. It gets getting, a ten in my heart. Uh, it gets a, it gets a ten in nostalgia yeah, for me. Yeah. But once you start watching the movies with a critical eye, it's yeah. But yeah, no, I, really, I, I, I really, I always, really, I always like write down, you know, things that that are wrong with the movie. But I didn't write down too much just because there isn't a whole lot that's really wrong with the movie. I mean, the running gag with Stacy kind of ran its course for a little bit, but yeah. I can't think of a I can't think of a, a bad thing wrong with it. Yeah. So maybe I will round up to ten. Yeah. Because it's it, it's hard to find fault with it. I uh, I think it's the greatest comedy of all time. It's 
in in my eyes, it's the second best SNL movie behind behind uh, the Blues Brothers. Okay, that's just that's just. I thought my you were gonna come at me with like Superstar or Night at the Roxbury. I like Night at the Roxbury. I mean, it's not bad, but it's yeah. not anywhere close to this. Nope, nope, it's not. Was there another uh, Pat? Pat? Oh God. Which is funny, is because we know somebody that's named Pat that looks like that. Looks exactly like it. He's an idiot. <laughs> well, DC makes good trailers. He's an idiot. Yeah. Parents are idiots, too. Bad upbringing. You remember Kelly Thal to Sony? I see what you did there. I know. I see what you did there. What do you think is the worst SNL movie that they made? Superstar. And Pat. They're fucking terrible. That's Stuart Smalley saves his family? No. <laughs> it's bad. But Superstar was awful. Yeah. MacGruber was also equally oh, as awful. God. Man, fuck Why did they make a movie about the Vincent Price sketch? I watch that. That's a two hour that's a ninety minute movie I'd watch on a heartbeat. As long as John Hamm is on there as James Mason. Please. Well, it's too old fashioned. Just have just have John Hamm show up as random fucking people. Like along with James Mason have to do what his, are you supposed to be have to do his John Kennedy Kennedy homosexual? What about you, Liberace? You want any? Ah, uh, not for me, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> We're gonna watch it after this is done. This is so fucking good. <laughs> oh, with the ladies, man. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I like that movie. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. Oh my god. Ugh, great shit. Should have made one about Pete Sweat. About you mean Pete Sweaty? Pete Sweaty and the Sweaty's balls. I said Pete Sweat. Yeah, whatever. Keith Sweat. Remember Keith Sweat? I do remember Keith Sweat. <laughs> So, well, I think it's time to wrap this up, shall we? I agree. I, I as well. So, um, join us next week for the first movie of the six 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 weeks of horror, which will be John Carpenter's nineteen eighty classic. Eighty two. Eighty two. I'm sorry, my mistake. You're uh, thinking of the fog. I am. That's the midweek show. Well, we need. Well, we need more Tom Atkins. And we have a fog. That's not the midweek show. Huh? That's not the midweek episode. Yes, it is. That is, I mean, it's the other one, but we have another midweek episode in with it. We have our top ten. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like that's the midweek review. Yes. So, yes. Uh, you're going to get a shit ton of stuff from us over the course of the next six weeks. So just listen, listen as you can. Yeah. Because it's just it's just going to be fun. It's going to be tiring too, especially with us both working. But fuck it, we do it live. Doing it live. Mm-hmm. No, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we're delving time, into the yeah. horror realm. Uh, so we're doing uh, so Sundays next. Well, not the Sunday. Next week's episode will be the thing, which is my second favorite horror movie of all time, mm-hmm. behind the coup de gras we're ending on the thirty first with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can guess what it is. It's Rob Zombie's Halloween too. No, it is not. It's the worst. No, it is fucking not. No, it's it's the seventy eight classic, John Carpenter's masterpiece, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then midweek. What is the date of that? Date of what? Uh, the midweek date. Uh, on the 16th or something, right? Yeah, on the 16th. No, 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 no. The 16th. Our next episode actually is the top 10 Kurt Russell movies. <clears throat> so you'll be getting that. I'm talking about the next movie podcast, which will be the 20th. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'm sorry. My date's a little messed up in my head. Um, and then The Fog will be the 23rd. So yeah. And then that's all you get. You wait till next time for us to tell you what you're getting. Anyway, your next three episodes after this one will be the top ten Kurt Russell movies, The Thing in the Fog. Mm-hmm. So, it's good to bleed right into it. 
So yeah, ironically, well, that wasn't even actually planned. No, so not at all. Anyway, it's in this bullshittery. I've been Dean Holtzapple. I'm still George Rogers, and we will see you in the horror movie multiverse. Yeah, because that's where we'll be. Moving in. Beep boop beep. All right. What are you doing? Okay. <laughs>